You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. It's good to be with you this morning. I hope you're doing well. Is everyone doing well today? Yes. Mixed responses. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's all good. Well, today I'm going to talk about something that I'm really excited about today. I'm going to talk about extravagance. Can we all say extravagance? Extravagance. Extravagance. And if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me? We're going to dive straight into John chapter 12. Why don't you go to John chapter 12 for me? And uh, you can read along with me in your Bibles or your devices, but we're going to, it will come up on the screen as well. And I'm going to read the first eight verses of that chapter. And this is how it reads. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Well, great passage there. And before I come back to our passage this morning, I want to share a true story with you. So this is a picture of James Robertson. Okay, he is a 56-year-old, or he was a 56-year-old American man at the time who lived and lives in Detroit. And in 2015, his story became famous. You see, James worked in a factory for 13 years, and his commute to work was a total of 21 miles there and back inclusive. But one day, his car broke down, and his car was essential for him to get to and from work. How many of us commute to work in a car? Yeah? So it's essential. But he couldn't afford to repair his car when it broke down, and it was essential for him. So he decided that he was going to walk every day to work, even though he didn't have a car. Now, because the commute was 21 miles or so, it took him... Six hours to walk to work, to arrive there on time for his 2 p.m. shift. So he normally left his house at 8 a.m. every morning to start the walk to work. And then he would do his eight-hour shift, finish work at 10 p.m., and then he walked back home, which meant that he arrived back at his house at 4 a.m. And he then slept for two hours, and then he woke up again and got ready again to start his commute at 8 a.m. to get back to work in time for his 2 p.m. shift. Now, some of us complain when we have to walk 10 minutes to work, or maybe even have to get a taxi or jump on a train for 20 minutes, but I bet you feel ashamed right now, don't you? <laughs> Has that challenged you a little bit this morning? He wasn't even that well of a paid job. It was an average paid job. And now his story for 10 years went unnoticed, but eventually James's commute caught people's attention, and someone noticed what he was doing. And to cut a long story short, a student set up a fundraising page to raise money for him so that he could buy a second-hand car. 
and he set a goal to raise $5,000. And as more people heard about this and saw this webpage, within four hours of the funding page being set up, £25,000 had been raised. And then by the end of the day, £50,000, well, dollars, should I say, has been raised. And then eventually, by the end of the week, I believe, a total of $300,000 had been raised for James. So to cut a long story short even more, eventually Ford offered to buy him or to give him a brand new Ford car, a convertible as well, and um, a brand new car. And now as all this was happening, as you can imagine, the the Detroit media got all over this. And they were like, you know, we need to interview this man. We need to find out what's going on. So they asked him the big question, what made you do this crazy commute to and from work, to walk six hours to and from work? And James said this, he said, I've never missed a day of work in my life and I wasn't going to start now. But the main reason was because I love my job and he loved the people that he worked with. And he said, they are my second family. I thought that might get a few more R's, but you might be hard to please. (laughs) That's okay. And it was said about James, the, the reporter said this, he said this, he said, James wasn't just committed, he went beyond committed. He went beyond, and it showed in his actions. You know, isn't it amazing what people will do? You know, people like James are willing to do extravagant things at times when they're devoted to something. You know, some of the dictionary definitions of the word extravagant or extravagance are as follows. So I think we'll get them on the screen as well. Extravagance can be described as excessive, wasteful, lavishness, wild, or unrestrained. Or another way of saying it is, a condition of going beyond what is needed by passing the bounds of reason or passing the bounds of reason. And as we come back to our passage today, I'm sure that this passage on Jesus and Mary is familiar to a number of us. And we find Jesus being anointed by Mary. Now, this is not the mother of, this is not the mother of Jesus, Mary, or Mary Magdalene, but this is the sister of Lazarus, who we see beforehand in the previous chapter, Jesus had raised from the dead. And this is the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. But significantly, we need to realize this. What Mary did in that moment was extravagant. It was extravagant. It expressed extravagance. And I want to see two reasons why this is. We're going to look at this verse, verse 3, again together. This is what the text says. And it says that Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, let's look at this perfume firstly. You know, what we see here is an extravagant offering and an amazing act of worship. I mean, we're told that this perfume is worth a year's wages. Now, based on the UK average wage today, that's about £25,000. And it would be like putting that in the offering pot. And the perfume was expensive. It was costly. It's a pure nard, which apparently you could only get from the mountains in India. Isn't that an amazing thought? That back then, that's where it would have come from. Just want to say, all the best things come from India. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen, brother. Nim, nims for his hand in the air, yes. Bollywood and pure perfume nard. <laughs> and it was probably worth something to Mary as well, because she had this. But she pours it all out for Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? And then she does something else. It goes on to say this, that she wiped his feet with her hair. You know, what a gesture this is. To, to towel someone's feet 
with your hair. I mean, I couldn't do that, obviously, today. <laughs> that would be really weird. And I encourage you not to do that as well, because I don't know if everyone would get it. But I want us to get the essence or the understanding of what she was doing here. You see, it's quite an amazing idea. This is an extravagant act of service to Jesus, an act which Mary has gone beyond social, social and cultural norms. Let me explain to you. You know, in those days, in those first century, century biblical times, to have wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, she would have had to have unbound her hair. And back in those days, that was a big no-no. I don't want to give you a, a scenario of what that would look like today because I don't want to take you off my sermon and distract you. But it's like basically coming to somewhere very inappropriately dressed or something like that. That's what it would be seen as she unbounds her hair. She unbounds her hair and wipes Jesus' feet with it. This is how extravagant it is. A woman let down her hair in public. It wouldn't have been good. It could have disgraced her. But she does it herself freely, willingly, risking her reputation. You know, something must have been stirred inside Mary to do this for Jesus. Something amazing must have been stirred in her. You know, what she did shows to me that there are times when, yes, we live, in, we live in life and how we do and we go through the day to day, but there are times where we need to pour it all out for Jesus. Anyone with me on that? There are times where we need to say, you know, the social society or the world around me, it may say to me, I have to live like this or do this. And I want us to be law abiding citizens. But there are times when God calls us to go beyond, to go beyond. Anyone with me on this? Amen. Give me an amen if you agree with this. I believe God calls us to go beyond at times, to give it all away, not to hold back, but to push the social boundaries that this, that this world will put on us today to give our lives in full service to Christ. To say, my life, Lord, is an offering for you. My life is poured out for you. And therefore, I will do what it is that you want me to do. You know, Mary does this beautiful act because I believe that she knows Jesus is special. You know, let's just, even though we've talked about the fact that it was, it was expensive and, you know, she did something that would have been seen as undignified in a sense by, by, by um, cleaning his feet with her hair, at the same time, we know that this is God she's doing it to. This is the living God that she comes to. She comes to his feet. He's worth giving up this expensive perfume. I mean, let's not forget, Lazarus is there at this table. This is a gathering where Lazarus is there. He shouldn't really be there. He should be, he should be in a grave. But Jesus has raised him from the dead. Well, this is an extravagant turn of events, bringing life after four days of death. And Mary, at one point, had lost her brother, Lazarus. But now she's there having dinner with him because of Jesus. You see, this is the power of the God that is in front of her. And therefore, she knows, I need to pour this all out for him. I can't speak for her, but I can only see the scenario that she's in. And friends, can I encourage us as well? Jesus has been extravagant for her. And now this act of devotion is her being extravagant for him. Because he has been extravagant for me, I'm going to be extravagant for him because of what he's done. And how many of us also know today that this doesn't just apply to Mary? But I love the thought that Sophie brought today in communion. Did anyone enjoy that thought today from Sophie? Because it reminded me again that Jesus has also been extravagant for all of us. He doesn't love us like the world does, but there is a love that he did by pouring his life out on the cross for us so that we could be redeemed, that we could be saved by the power of his blood, that we may come to him in confidence before him in mercy and grace because he has been extravagant for us. And then in turn, friends, can I encourage us, as he's been extravagant for us, we are called to be extravagant for him. Not 
based on works or obligation, but in loving service in response to what he's done as an act of loving service for who he is. You know, what Jesus has done for us, it's over the top. It's an amazing sacrifice. It's a generous offering by going to the cross in our place. Anyone agree with me on that? Who goes beyond the bounds of reasons for us. And for that reason, I think it challenges me today, especially to be extravagant for him. 1 John 4, 19 says this. He says that we love because he first loved us. We are to be extravagant because God has given his best for us. And so he deserves our best too. So I just want to just share three quick points with you now as we just delve into this idea of extravagance a little bit more and what Mary did here to help us and to maybe inspire us that God wants us to be a people that are extravagant for him. So let me just share these three points with you. And so the first thing is this, extravagance is a choice. Now you may say today, how can I be extravagant or what is extravagance look like in my life? And that's a good question. And I'm not saying to you that you need to buy lots of perfume and start pouring out on people's feet. I'm not saying that. If you really want to, you can. Some people might go, I don't know what this person is doing, but get them away from me because, you know, it might not be taken in the right way. And I wouldn't advise you to do that anyway. But I think there are times when we can decide to go above and beyond for Jesus. That we can say, you know, I'm not going to be confined by what anyone else says, but I'm going to listen and be and do as, as Jesus wants me to do, to go beyond the social norms. You know, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be obedient, to have no limits for God and have an extravagant heart for him. And this extravagance can come in different forms for different people. You know, it isn't as complicated as we think. It can be as simple as saying, I'm going to go and see if that person wants to be prayed for. Yeah, I'm going to, I feel the Lord has a word for me for that person. I wouldn't normally do this, but I feel the Lord has given me a word. I'm going to just see if maybe God wants to speak to, speak to that person through me. And if you get it wrong, it's okay. But actually to say, I'm going to go beyond my own social norms. It could even be, dare I say it, in worship, you start to dance. Yeah? Now, if you can't dance, it's okay. But as an act of worship and saying, Lord, I'm not going to hold back. But I give my life as an offering for you. And actually, if I need to worship you in a way which is with all my strength and actually makes me look a little bit indignified, I don't mind because David paves the way for that anyway, if you've read about David. He, he danced before the Lord with all of his strength because he knew his God had been extravagant for him and he loved him. It could be as well to be in your workplace and to speak to that person at work about Jesus. To start a conversation. You know, your workplace is like, this is where I earn money and then this is where I go to church. Actually, God wants to fuse your world with his world. Yeah? I remember speaking to someone this week about um, the purpose of mission. And mission is always incarnational mission. Do you know what that means? Is that we go into places and we bring Christ into those places. The incarnation is Christ coming down to earth. But then how, do, how much do we know as well that as the Father sent Christ, the Christ then sends us. We are incarnational missionaries. Does that make sense? Bringing the glory of Christ into those places. And so it can be stepping out, going beyond it can be going against your own social norms. It can even be going up to someone at the end of the service today who's new or you don't know them and go, hey, how are you? Trust me, I'm pretty sure that people won't bite you. But it can be just going beyond what you would normally do and say, God, I'm going to go and see if I can welcome someone today. I'm going to go and see if I, can, if I can play a part today. It could be helping and joining on one of our teams here at Coventry North. 
just so you know, this is not a nice little ploy for me to just say, uh, we need some people on our, our kids' team at the moment. And maybe you're like, I don't think I could ever do kids' work. Well, I want to say to you, maybe God is speaking to you today about saying, why don't you go beyond what you would normally do and give your life in service to him? You know, if you're interested or you want to um, help out, come and speak to me and Luke at the end. We have some spaces on our kids' team and we'd love to get you involved. Not just so you can fill a gap in a rota, but maybe God is speaking to you today about your life being poured out for him. You know, this is what it can look like. And also, I think it's really important that we know this as well. Anyone can be extravagant. Extravagant isn't reserved for extroverts. Just so you know. Put your hand up if you're an introvert. That probably wasn't the best thing to do, actually, was it, for introverts? <laughs> Does he not understand what he's saying? I did it on purpose. because. Well done, thank you. Let's give these guys a round of applause for putting their hands in the air. This is making it worse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I've distracted myself there. Believe it or not, I am naturally an introvert. Honestly, I prefer... That's my wife. I prefer being on my own, reading books, and having a cup of tea with some biscuits. I'm happy. You know, just me and my fam. Yeah, Ethan says amen. I'm happy, just me and my own little world at times. That's my, that's my default position. I don't like being the center of attention. And, and, and honestly, sometimes being around people isn't always my natural disposition. You know, I hate to talk about the dreaded word COVID, but COVID made this even worse, didn't it, a few years ago? And we were just like, we all, we all want to stay where we are and want to be safe. And in the past, I haven't found it easy talking to people outside of my comfort zone, especially people I don't know. But I've come to know this as well. Regardless of what my natural disposition is, God loves me as I am, but he also calls me to go beyond. Amen. He, he calls me to go and give my life to him. And that means that I will do what he wants me to do. Now, he doesn't mean that he's saying that I need to not be introvert. No, he likes me as I am. But we are here to give our lives as an offering to Christ. And that's what it's about. And there, there is a prudence which is rightly part of the Christian mindset. I do like that. You know, you know, this idea that we stick within bounds of reason, that we're reasonable people. I'm not saying we shouldn't be that. I think there's something about that. We should be humble and we shouldn't be those that are doing extreme behavior or extravagances that are maybe like loud. I'm not saying that that's what we should do because I don't think that they necessarily lead to us living in the will of, will of God. I'm not saying that we have to be extreme. And also, how many of us know that our motivation can feed our extravagance? It can be our ego or our pride that says, oh, I want to do something here because I want to draw attention to myself. But actually, it's in the name of the Lord. It's in the name of the Lord. No, it's in the name of you. So I'm not talking about an extravagance which is from our own perspective or our own reasons for it. That's not a good thing. I'm not even talking about being loud, as I said earlier. You know, isn't it interesting? Mary's act wasn't loud, but it was, it was profound. In fact, she doesn't even speak in the passage. People are speaking about her, but she doesn't even speak. But it was extravagant for what it represented at the time. You know, Bruce Milne in his commentary says this on John's gospel. He says, in the service of Jesus, there is indeed a time to keep, but there is also a time to throw away for the glory and honor of him who is worthy of all of our love and devotion. You know, a few months ago, I was in Leamington and I was minding my own business with my family. And I was like, this is nice. It's a day off. I don't want any drama today. I love Leamington, I love the shops, I, that it was hot as well. as like, I was in my shorts and my t-shirt, I was like, yeah, this is great. I was like, I don't want any drama today. And then my wife said, oh, we need to get some water. I said, look, I'll go to, to the shop, I'll go get some water, you just stay here. And I went and I got this water, and then as I was walking, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, 
I was, was in the queue and there was a guy behind me with his shopping. I felt the Holy Spirit say, pay for this man's shopping. And I remember thinking, well, he looks like he can afford it. <laughs> Why don't I ask him to pay for my shopping instead? <laughs> and I was there and I, was, I couldn't shake it. And I was like, fine, that's okay. And then, so I got to the counter and then I said, and then, but you know how it is, you've got your little divider, haven't you? You put them on, then you put it on with someone else and, they go, and it goes along. And then his was on there and I said, look, um, can I pay for both of ours? Is that okay? I said to the cashier, she said, oh yeah, of course you can. And, and he looked at me and I said, yeah, I'd like to pay for your shopping. And he said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, no, you don't need to. You don't need to. It's okay. I said, no, no, you know what? I, I, I really, really want to. I said, I want, I want to pay for your shopping. Is that all right? It wasn't lots of money, actually, but I thought, oh, I'm going to pay for it. And he goes, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. He said, oh, wow. He said, that is so nice of you. Anyway, we got... Go and get some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, it was, it was Iceland. <laughs> it, wasn't wait, it wasn't Waitrose. And so we, went, we carried on, and we went outside. And what the great thing about this was, I paid for his shop, and he just kept saying, thank you, mate, thank you, that's so nice. It ended up, we went out into the, into the, like, you know, the open area in Leamington, and um, we just started chatting for about five minutes. And I was talking to him, and as I was talking to him, it became very clear that his life wasn't in a great place. I was just listening to him and talking to him, and I shared my story about how Jesus changed my life. I, said, I told him about how I was not in a good place once, but then Jesus transformed my life. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I know I shared Jesus with him and how he, how he had changed my life and my testimony. And he was really encouraged by that. And I said, look, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah, please pray for me. And I was just there with him, praying for him, praying and just saying, Lord, bless him. Lord, help, help him. Lord, Lord, be with him. May he know your goodness and may he know your grace. And then I went and then he was just like, oh, right. He's like, this has just made my day. It was so amazing. Like, like, I didn't even realize what God was doing, but God knew exactly what he was doing. Now, I wanted to just go and have a, a, a nice, quiet day with my family. I didn't want to do anything out of the ordinary, but God had different plans. And he wanted to speak to that person in that moment. And it was really interesting. As I was walking away, he started like saying, that man's really nice. <laughs> he just bought my shopping. I was like, oh, no, this isn't what I was wanting. I was like, no, it's okay. It's, like, it's okay. He goes, thank you. Safe, safe, man. That guy is great. <laughs> what, an, what an amazing thing, but I had to make a choice. Extravagance is a choice. Mary chose to be extravagant. The second thing I want to say is this. Extravagance may provoke different reactions. This is what it says in the text. Judas says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? And Jesus says in verse 7, leave her alone. I love that. Those three simple words, leave her alone. You know, one thing we see from this is that when we are extravagant, it catches people's attention. Like James in Detroit, it can, it can catch people's attention. Specifically here, we get two reactions. Here is one from Judas and one from Jesus. And Judas criticizes Mary and says, basically, it was a waste of money, but Jesus defends her. You know, if we choose to be extravagant for the Lord, we will not always please everyone in the process. But ultimately, it's what the Lord thinks that matters the most, isn't it? See, extravagance shouldn't be rude or weird or wacky. Let me reiterate that. It isn't loud or being weird, but we can keep going beyond the normal rhythm of our lives despite people not agreeing with us. We can reach out and can go beyond for him. 
You know, when I was working as a lawyer before I joined CLM on staff full-time, I was working in London, and I made a decision in my heart that I'd not long, be, I'd not long been saved, and um, I remember th- saying to myself, I'm going to just do my best to share Jesus in this place. You know, a legal office, which isn't always the easiest place to do it, trust me, because there's a lot of talk about pride, there's a lot about um, making money, there's a lot about people who've got good educations and good backgrounds, and I remember just saying, you know what, Lord, use me in this place. Let me not just be here to be a lawyer and to make money, but let, use me, Lord, to, to be your ambassador for Christ. I remember just making a decision to do that. And so I made a decision that I was going to share my faith when the opportunity came. It wasn't going to be weird. Just when there was opportunities, I would see if I, could, if I could be used by God in that place. And the reality was, in that place, most of my work colleagues were either people who believed in different religions or they were atheists. So I had a really good like, uh, mission field, as you can see. So I was like, okay, fine. It's okay. I'm just going to still yield to you, Lord. And sometimes I got negative responses from people. You know, people can misunderstand your extravagance. They can misread our heart and they can, they can, it can make people feel uncomfortable. And it did sometimes. I remember one of my previous colleagues said to me, you know what, John, I just want you to know, Christianity is a load of rubbish. Now, I've given you the clean version <laughs> of what he said, but that is pretty much what he said in a nutshell. And it wasn't nice to hear at the time. It was hard to receive, but you know what, friends? It didn't stop me from standing out for Jesus in that place, to be an ambassador for Christ. I wasn't going to let some words stop me from doing what I believe God wanted me to do in that place. And I think it was really important that I made a decision that I'm here for you, Lord. Despite any opposition, I'm not going to stop reaching out and sharing your love. And I remember another one of my colleagues, she was, she, was, she was the one who sat behind me, and she was clearing out one of her cabinets with her law books in. And she said, like, quite loudly for the people that were near her, she goes, wow, I've just found a Bible. And then her, her other, one of my other colleagues came up to her and said, oh, what's a Bible doing in your cabinet? She's like, I don't know what it's doing here. And uh, I was hearing the conversation. As soon as I heard Bible, I was like, okay, what's, what's being said here? And um, they were laughing and going, oh, this is random. She goes, oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw it away because I don't need it. I don't want it. And I, and I turned around and I said, don't throw it away. I'll take it. And she said, why would you want to take it? I said, well, I might give it as a gift to someone. Now, obviously, in that moment, she realized, okay, this guy's a Christian. So I took the Bible away, and then we didn't really talk about that incident for a while. And then literally, probably a few months later, or even a few weeks later, the same lady started to talk to me about faith. And she said to me, she said, <laughs> she said um, I- I'm struggling at the moment with understanding faith and uh, Christianity. She goes, I I don't know. I feel like I want to talk to you about it. So I shared my testimony with her. And we went up and we said, look, let's meet up and just talk about this away from the office because it's not always easy. So we went to this place and we just had a coffee, had a bit of food, and we were talking. And I shared my story and where I'm coming from. And she shared her story. And again, what became very clear is that her life wasn't in a good place. She was down. She was searching. She was, uh, wasn't sure if she wanted to stay in the same workplace. She was like grappling with so many things. And I just listened to her and I just said, can I pray with you? And I just prayed for her, and she starts weeping as soon as I, I just say, Lord, and she starts weeping. Uh, the, the, the Lord just turns up, and he's ministering to her, and he's obviously just there. And she doesn't even know why she's crying, but she's just, just very touched by my story and very touched that someone would even want to pray for her. She was on her own a lot of the time. And anyway, again, um, I didn't really speak to her too much long after that. It was just a moment, you know, there I was praying for a 56-year-old lawyer, and she's there weeping. And... She said to me as well, she says, you know, maybe I should start reading the Bible again. 
And uh, I said, that was interesting. And I just always stuck with me. When, when that was one of the last things she said to me after our meeting. She said, maybe I should start reading the Bible again. I, I found it hard to connect with, but maybe I should do it again. Well, to cut a long story short, a few months later, I handed in my notice at work because I then came to join CLM. So I was asked to join the staff here. But before I left, I brought a Bible. <laughs> and um, I put it in her in-tray. And I left a little note on it, and I just said, hey, why don't you give it another read? I know I'm not going to see you now because I'm going, but give it another go. You know, see how you find it. And then on that day, I was about to leave work that day, and she emails me, and she says, thank you for the Bible. I will treasure it, and I'm going to read it again. Now, I don't know what happened after that. I don't know exactly what happened in her life after that, because obviously I went my separate ways. But all I want to say is this, that when we are extravagant for God, isn't it amazing what he can do? Someone who was at a place of rejecting and throwing away a Bible then gladly receives one because I stepped out and spoke to her, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, I just want you to know today that when you step out for God, he can turn impossible situations into something that's a possibility because he is an extravagant God. Anyone with me on that today? When you step out for him, I made a decision I was going to be an influencer for the kingdom of God, and nothing was going to stop me, not even criticism or opposition from man or woman, because I knew that God approved of what I was doing. It's the key thing is this, is that Jesus approves of what I'm doing. He approves of what I'm doing. As long as it's reasonable, and it isn't wacky, <laughs> and it's legal, I want to say that as well, <laughs> and considerate, and it's for the glory of God, I believe God will honor what we do. Now, what I love about Mary in this story as well is that she kept going even in the face of criticism and misunderstanding because this isn't the first time that she's been challenged or opposed. You remember in Luke's gospel, Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, most of you will know the story, which I believe is a separate story to this one, where Martha criticizes Mary for not doing the work and sitting at Jesus' feet. You might remember that. And um, Jesus says, doesn't he? He says, Mary has chosen what is better. You say, here she is at the feet of Jesus again. And the criticism has not stopped her from being extravagant. I find that an interesting idea. Mary, for me, is like a little bit of a hero for me in that sense. And friends, can I encourage you, wherever you find yourself serving the Lord, you will receive opposition, and it's not nice, but keep going. Don't stop pouring out your life to God. Don't stop living your life as an offering that is befitting to him, because that's what he's called you to do. Amen? That you would live a life of service for him. Jesus said in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And I feel like I want to say to some of us here today, keep standing up for Jesus in your workplace. Don't let criticism or what you hear the people saying in your office or wherever it is that you work put you away or put you down from saying that I can't stand up for Jesus. Jesus wants to use you where you are. And he wants you to stand out for him. Anyone encouraged by that today? Take courage. Keep standing out. If people approve, great. But ultimately, our extravagance should be motivated by what God thinks. And also, for someone here today, or maybe some others, if you're the only Christian in your household, keep standing out. <laughs> you know, if there are people in your family that are not saved and it's difficult, I get it. I've been there. I'm there still in some ways as well. There are a lot of people in my immediate family, uh, in my fam wider family, who don't know Jesus. But I keep stepping out. I keep telling them about Jesus. Sometimes I make it more difficult in my head. Does that make sense? That like if I say something, they're going to go crazy at me or it's going to go, go away. They're going to call me a Bible basher or something. But actually, sometimes I just need to take a step of faith and just say, God, use me here. 
You know, I believe God's called me to a ministry wherever I am. Doesn't just, not just because I'm here as a minister here at CLM Coventry North, but I believe God wants to use me in every situation that I'm in. Final point, lastly, extravagance can be timely. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You see, Jesus clearly states that there was a purpose to what she, to what she did. She prepared him for his burial. Now, there's a debate as to whether she knew what she was actually doing. Did she, did she know that Jesus was going to the cross? Some commentators have said, yeah, she must have had this intuition or understanding. But whether she knew or not, I don't think the text gives us enough. But what I would say is this. What is the significant thing to take away is this, is that she did something. <laughs> she did something, and that made all of the difference. That's significant for me. And we won't always know the full extent as to what we're doing unless we're willing to act. You know, someone's intention without action will never be remembered. Someone's intention without action will never be remembered. You know, if she had kept the perfume for another time, the opportunity would have passed. But Mary seized the opportunity whilst Jesus was here, and look what came from it. You see, her anointing of Jesus' feet is recorded in the other three Gospels as well. <laughs> it's recorded there. It's recorded in, the three, in three of the Gospels, three of the four Gospels, should I say. And friends, sometimes the time to act is now. Now, I love what it says in Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. Let us do good. As we have opportunity, let us do good. I'm going to invite the band to join me. Thank you. I'm just going to share one more story with you. I remember before Christmas, a number of years ago, God put it on my heart to give quite a bit of money away to someone that I knew. And I mean, for me, it was an extravagant amount of money. I remember contemplating it, going, do I do this? And in the end, I just messaged this person and I asked them for their bank details. I said, look, can I have your bank details, please? I want to give you some money. So they gave me their bank details. And I had an idea that they were struggling potentially, but I didn't know nothing more than that. I didn't know any more. And I didn't tell them how much I was going to be giving them. And I just sent it. And the next day, I got a long message back from my friend, and it was amazing. They were basically overwhelmed by the gift. And uh, they messaged me back saying, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, they'd been struggling financially, but the timing of the gift was just amazing. It was just exactly what they needed at that time. And they've been so touched by it. You know, financially, this was like they said to me, this is God providing for me right now. This is God meeting my need for me right now. You see, we can make a difference, but only if we act today. The time is now to be extravagant for God. We don't always know what will happen tomorrow. Therefore, the time to serve Jesus and be extravagant for him is now. There's one more final thing that I want to just draw our attention to, which is this, is that our extravagance should be an overflow of our devotion. Yeah? When we are devoted to Jesus, then our lives will be an offering of service to him. Does anyone agree with that? It always comes from a place of devotion. It comes not from ego, not from pride, not going, look what I can do, but it comes by coming actually at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, I dedicate my life to you. It comes in humble service to Christ. It starts at his feet, humbly wanting to serve him. When we in turn will then say, Lord, 
as you have poured yourself out for me, now I pour out myself for you. I serve you, Lord. I want you to use me to spread the aroma of your name into the atmosphere, yeah? I want to spread the aroma of Christ wherever I go, but it starts from a place of devotion to him. It starts in a place of saying, Lord, I'm devoted to you and I come to you. I come at your feet and say, Lord, use me. I surrender my life to you. Would you use me? And another thing to say, this pure nard was like an oil. How do we have the strength to be extravagant? It's always through the, the oil of the Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, extravagance isn't, again, our own idea, but actually it's God's idea. And whenever I want to be extravagant, like that guy in the queue at the supermarket, it's always listening to the voice of the Spirit. It's saying, Lord, how do you want to use me today? It is Holy Spirit inspired. And as we come and we reflect on, on, on this passage today and this beautiful act that Mary does for Jesus of extravagance, I'm going to put it to you today or ask you, has the Lord spoken to you? Do you see in your own life that maybe you need to be more extravagant for him? Maybe you're just assessing now where you are and going, maybe I used to be a bit more extravagant. Maybe I've lost that passion to be one that overflows the aroma of Christ into different people's lives or even just to step out of my own social norms, my own norm that I've put on myself or the world has put on me. But actually I say today, I choose to be extravagant for you, Jesus. And if you're here today and you're going, Lord, I want to be more extravagant for you, Lord. I want to step beyond. I want to go beyond. I want to be beyond committed. I want to not just say it in word, but do it in deed. If you have been inspired today and you want to say, Lord, I'm here. Here I am. I want to be extravagant for you. I want to encourage you right now to stand. And I want you to just take a moment where you are to say, Lord, I choose to push past the boundaries that maybe I've put around myself. You might even want to say it to the Lord now. And I, and I want to live a life of service poured out for you to no longer hold back but to be an influencer rather than being influenced to not dwell on the approval of others but the approval of God and to act now and to make a difference for the kingdom of God and where you are just take a moment where you are with the Lord and say Lord I want to be extravagant for you maybe he's going to put someone on your heart right now who he wants you to reach out to Maybe he's going to put your workplace on your heart afresh and go, God, use me to spread the aroma of you in that place. Why not speak to him now? Just bring these things to his feet. Come to the feet of Jesus. Lord, we thank you we have an extravagant gospel Lord you, you could have you could have stayed in your place of comfort in heaven but you came for us because you loved us so much as we heard earlier for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and I thank you Lord for your extravagance in our lives I thank you Lord that you gave yourself as an offering for us Lord and my prayer today is for me and my brothers and sisters that in response to your extravagant act towards us, that we too would live a life of extravagance for you. Lord, where we've been held back by norms or the social world around us or even the thinking that we're not this or not that, Lord, I pray, would you break those boundaries today in Jesus' name? 
Lord, where we felt restricted because of the places that we find ourselves in. Lord, I pray, Lord, would we be extravagant for you today? Would you remind us, Lord, that you want to use us to bring your glory into places, to bring the the perfume, Lord, to bring the aroma of Christ into the world around us. Lord, where we've held back, Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, would you empower us with the oil of the Spirit today that we will not just have you in us, but we would overflow into the world around us. So Lord, I pray, empower us, Holy Spirit. Use us today to be extravagant, Lord. And we come again, Lord, and we say, let our extravagance be rooted in our devotion to you that we keep coming to the feet of Jesus in humble service, that we say, Lord, our lives are an offering, an outpouring for you, Lord. We give our lives as an offering for you today, Jesus, in service for your kingdom and for your glory. So today, Lord, remind us that we are ambassadors today to spread the aroma of Christ in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 